Contract, a commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Alex Lap. Alex, what's up, man? Well, not too much, Mike. It is the end of the year, the end of 2021, and we have had a lot of Magic releases this year. I mean, it seems like every year they're adding in more and more sets, more supplementary products. Yep. It's difficult to keep up with all of these different releases so well no it's not difficult alex they just have to listen to this episode and they can know about that's a good point mike we're gonna recap cards. some of our favorite social contract cards our favorite yeah. group hug group slugs stacks chaos symmetric effects political effects you mm-hmm. know our wheelhouse that's what we like to talk about here and we're going to talk about the best social cards from 2021 mike i'm very excited uh, I'm I'm not going to lie, I'm very excited, not just because uh, this is episode 50 for us, which is Holy awesome. moly, Mike, 50 right. episodes. Yeah, that means that we've done this long enough, like, this is syndication, or is that 100 episodes? I don't remember. Uh, the point is, we've done this plenty. <laughs> um, Where's my residuals? Part, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm working on it, man. Uh, the other part <laughs> of this is that I actually needed this guide for myself. Because, like you said, there's been so many, I know, many, so many sets, so many new cards and everything like that. Uh, and, you know, I've referenced it before. Last year, they released more new cards than they did in the first three years of Magic. That is a and ridiculous halfway, statistic. And then halfway through this year, they beat what they did last year. Wow. So we're doing a lot of cards. There's a lot of stuff to talk about as a whole. But today, we're going to focus on some of the ones that made us the most excited uh, and then do some wrap-up of the year stuff towards the end. Um, so what I originally uh, planned was for us to go, uh, you know, pick <laughs> pick a card in every color. You know, like pick a, pick your favorite white card, pick your favorite blue card, so on, etc. And I wrote that in probably the dumbest way that I possibly could. So Alex did a card in everything. And... It, I know for a fact, looking at the list, that part of it started to become a struggle because some yeah. of those cards were not Alex cards. Oh, yeah. It's, once you start getting into the three-color pairs, slim pickings, the four-color pairs, mm. there weren't any. Um, so, yeah, we I went ahead and instructions unclear. Uh, I picked way too many cards. So we've got that all sorted out. Uh, yes. I, I, made a, I made a silly. So we'll start by going through the color pie Yeah. in the monocolors, and then we'll transition into the multicolor combinations that we were interested mm-hmm. in and and the lands and the colorless cards. And shoot, I mean, we have a lot of fantastic cards here. Mike, do you want to talk about your pick for Mono White? I do. Uh, so the one that I originally went with was the one that you also chose. So I, I'm, I'm happy to go with my secondary one here. Right. Um, and it's, social contract-wise, it might not fit, but... I think we've got a sub-theme of help white out, you know? (laughs) The color needs help on a bunch of things. Right. You know, draw, and more importantly for me, ramp. So, I mean, my card, I'm a little bummed out that it's just in uh, a Commander Precon, but Archaeomancer's map is such a win for me. It's such a good 
on theme for white card for yeah. something that white doesn't do. Yeah. Which is ramp. So two and a white for an artifact that says when Archaeomancer's map enters the battlefield, search your library for up to two basic planes cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that opponent if that player uh, controls more lands than you, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. That's getting lands into hand and burgeoning, right? It's actually better than burgeoning because burgeoning, even though it's cheaper and even though it doesn't require that an opponent controls more lands than you, um, as the game goes on and depending on the the pod that you're playing with, the Mm -hmm. differences between burgeoning's trigger and Archaeomancer's map's trigger become clear. And that is that Archaeomancer's map cares about when a land enters the battlefield, which can happen through ramp, through reanimating, through Mm -hmm. fetching, uh, through creating a copy of a land, any number of things. But burgeoning only cares about when a land is played, which is a special action that can only happen once during a player's main phase. So Archaeomancer's map is probably going to end up triggering more often than burgeoning, especially in the mid to late game, Mike. Because you're in white, right? Because if if you're playing green uh, specifically... I there shouldn't be too many opponents that are playing more lands than you more routinely than yeah white but, doesn't ramp lands really at all right yeah and this is again it's a good catch up mechanic which frankly that's all white is about balance right it's it's kind of yeah. one of those things it's why of course balance, balance is banned white card yeah yes, yes. exactly um, so I love Archaeomancer's map just because it it is a card that gives the ability to keep up in the game and it's not you know sitting here at you know six mana or anything crazy three mana if this is my turn three play i'm pretty it's happy a pretty solid play you'll draw two cards mm-hmm. they're both lands you'll be able to ramp uh probably on the next two players turns you'll probably ramp twice yeah. that same turn um this card just came out this year mike in commander 21 it's already above 11 dollars, which honestly is fine because there was some crazy prices affiliated with it to begin with. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's gone down a lot. And, then, you know, again, I get it. It's, it's not as good as the upper tier ramp pieces. But in white, this is pretty great. And I'm, I'm happy just to see it exist because it means that, hey, let's, let's go ahead and try and take things into a better direction for this color that obviously needs some help. For sure. Um, why don't you go ahead and talk about your card, which was the one I was gonna pick? Yeah, I think this is the one gotta, that. Yeah, we gotta we gotta expand this. This one probably counts as our uh, as as the mono white social card of the year, right? Wedding ring from Crimson Vow Commander decks. It's an artifact for two white white. That's four mana. When wedding ring enters the battlefield, if it was cast, target opponent creates a token. That's a copy of it. And whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring draws a card during their turn, you draw a card. And whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring gains life during their turn, you gain that much life. Um, so, Mike, this is uh, very similar to a lot of other things that White likes to do. Like we said, White likes to stay balanced. This is interesting, though, because unlike some other more social card draw effects this is a deal that's created between two players specifically right although if mm-hmm. you make copies of wedding ring it works perfectly fine as a three or a foursome 
So, I mean, if that's the way you swing, that's totally fine. You can have a thruple or a fruple, and you'll all be drawing cards and getting life, Mike. I mean, yeah. If you have a way of creating tokens for other players other than the ones that you place yourself, there's there's ways to do it. Yeah. I'm just like, hey, everybody. And you called it a you know political card in that you can, you know, you can go ahead and, oh, who wants to make a deal? Who wants yeah. to both get benefits here? I, the reason that I like this card is because you can do that, but you can also arrange a marriage with somebody. Arrange like, a marriage. Hey, hi, arch enemy. You're doing a little bit too much Interesting, right now. yeah. I would like to go ahead and infringe upon that. Well, bit. some of the issue with that is that if you don't make a deal, and in fact, if you do the exact opposite of making a deal where you try to mm-hmm. handicap someone with wedding ring, they actually have two options now. They can either... Uh, well, they have three, really. They can either not care, which is the effect that you want, and yep. just let you draw the cards, uh, or they can use instant speed card draw on another player's turn, because that won't trigger Wedding Ring, or they can just not draw cards, which is, I, I call that uh, uh, half and half, right? That's a half point sure. victory, because by playing a card, you've stopped the arch enemy from drawing cards. But they the art. The arch enemy has a lot of options if you play this on them, right? I don't feel oh, for sure. that it's as strong as, uh, what would you say, a ball and chain. I think it's a lot more strong as as a gift. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I understand. It's it's a, uh, you know you should you should form it off of a partnership together, right? Absolutely. I also realized that um, it was maybe ten minutes into the episode. Uh, when I said, yeah, a wedding ring is nice, but I really like it if you could force a, a wedding on somebody instead. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to reevaluate that and hope my family doesn't listen. Uh, speaking of which, let's go ahead and move on uh, to our next color here, blue. Yeah. No, your pick kind of surprises me. Not because it's a bad card, but just because when we talked about this card originally, it was like, a, well, this does a lot. Okay. But I want to hear I want to hear you talk about it here because it is a very good card. It's also terrifying. Yeah, Mike. The card that I chose is Holebreaker Horror uh, for five blue blue. That's seven mana for a creature Kraken Horror. It's a seven eight with flash, and the spell can't be countered. Uh, it has the triggered ability. Whenever you cast a spell, choose up to one. The first option is return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand, which is. Uh, remand or, or counterspell. Yep. Uh, and then the second option is return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, which would be a bounce or uh, or a psych rift that's not overloaded. Now, Mike, this is an absurdly powerful card. Oh, yeah. As it should be. It's a seven mana creature. Sure. That said, uh, even for a seven mana creature, this is really up there. And the reason why I've chosen this card is because this is a very political rattlesnake, right? We've talked about <laughs> okay. rattlesnakes, and this is this is one of the mother of all battle cruiser rattlesnakes because you have the ability to threaten at all times to counter any spell, even uncounterable spells can be bounced back to their owner's hand because that doesn't count as countering it. Or you can threaten to bounce any non-land permanent. To its understand. That's at any time, because you can cast instant speed spells. As long as you have cards in your hand, you can threaten this. And as we say all the time with rattlesnakes, the benefit of a rattlesnake is that it doesn't even have to bite, 
right? You don't actually have to counter a spell to bounce a spell or bounce a permanent or even do it that many times before people start making uh, serious alterations to the way that they're playing such mm-hmm. that you've actually chilled the board and now other people are casting fewer spells. They're committing fewer things to the board. The game is being warped around Holebreaker Horror, and uh, that's that's why I picked this card, Mike. So the only issue, and issue is too strong, the only thing that I don't totally disagree with there is the premise of Holebreaker uh, Horror being a rattlesnake is absolutely legitimate, except it's a seven-mana rattlesnake that also potentially makes you the arch enemy so what does the rattlesnake mean anymore well that's that's true the snake is too big i can't well of course it's gonna bite me it's big uh but i totally get what you're saying and i've also seen you play so i understand where you're coming from as far as using this as specifically a rattlesnake right you can play this at the top end at the end of the game you put this down and now you're right you might assume this is the arch enemy but at this point, if you're the arch enemy, you have some pretty strong defenses. Removal spells can now be bounced. Anything yep. that could mess with your win con can now be bounced. And it can be done any number of times per turn. It doesn't cost any additional mana or resources. You only have mm-hmm. to cast a spell. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say, Mike. This is this is a, no, it's a, it's a monster. Like, this thing destroys yeah. battlecruisers. It is a battlecruiser. For sure. It's a battle cruiser that destroys battle cruisers. Look, it's destroying a ship right, right here in the cool. art. Oh, hey, what do you know? Yeah. It's on theme. And so are we. Ta-da. Um, that's okay, because the other part of this is I, I'm super happy that you picked Hullbreaker Horror, because it meant that I got to pick my favorite card, possibly of the year, yeah. just because of how insane it is. Um, hey, remember when we talked about Mystic Reflection, and it was really exciting and crazy, and oh my gosh, think about all the things that you can do with this card when it was, like, spoiled? Yeah. And then the year went on, and I got to play with Mystic Reflection and went, oh, this card is better than I thought. Um, so Mystic Reflection, one in a blue for an instant that says, choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. And you can foretell it for a blue. That means that you can pay two generic mana, exile the card from your hand face down, and you can cast it on a later turn for its foretell cost. So it can be a two mana instant, or it can be a two mana then one mana instant later on if you just want to threaten it out there like a rattlesnake if you want to you know just have it ready if you need to have the extra card out of your hand whatever point is the effect of changing creatures or planeswalkers to any non-legendary thing any non-legendary creature creature correct is nuts and yeah. you know everybody has done the oh well if you do this when the avenger of zendikar hits <laughs> and you wait and then you can get all the plants and turn those into avengers of Zend- hey that is absolutely awesome cool fantastic you can also man it there's so much fun you can have with this it just i love using this as a defensive piece more than anything because the idea that, oh, something is going to enter the battlefield, okay, great. Well, it's going to enter as a land of war elf instead. Right. Because I don't like that and that's scary. That's 
a lot of variable. That's a lot of different things. An adaptable card. It's good at shutting other people down. It's good at. Oh, I would like a thing that you have. I'm gonna pay this two mana. Then I'm gonna pay one. Flip this over, and I'm gonna make this eight mana token. You know, I I love this card because it's 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 literally the the Yu-Gi-Oh trap card, man. You're right. <laughs> it's, it's it it's really so shows the strength of the foretell mechanic right because yep. you can use this as a rattlesnake as you said you can say listen somebody plays something i don't like it's going to turn out to be nothing so mm-hmm. start playing the game of trying to bait me into using this because now i've run the board you can do that uh, but you also don't have to let anyone know what card you foretold um, and I think it's pretty easy, especially as the turns go on, and you can cast this very early in the game for people to forget. And you're right, spring this. It's a trap now. Uh, they they didn't mm-hmm. remember that you had played it, and you aren't obligated to continuously tell them about face-down cards you uh, sure. control in exile. So it's it's a and very versatile card. Yeah, and that's, that's with you giving all that information, which we encourage, because it makes for a more fun game. Right. You know? If you want to play this at like the highest level of competition, this is still a good card. Yeah. You know, this is still a two mana, no, it's not kind of card. Or a two mana, well, I like your, you know, I like not your commander, but I like your commander to turn into this instead. You know, like there's a bunch of stuff that you can do with this to totally disrupt other people's plans or give yourself some nitro. And speed things up because now you have cards that you weren't planning on. I like cards that basically say, I am going to take my library and I'm going to add all of your libraries to it. And I'm going to be able to use options depending on what's going on in the battlefield. I like that kind of stuff. You sound like a Sim Triplets Uh, player. Well, no, because I don't like taking things away from people. Mm. I just like, I just like getting the same stuff, you know? And for and how dare you? That's the that might be the meanest thing you've ever seen. Oh, poor Mike. Well, let's play right. into that meanness and swap to uh, to Mono Black here. Uh, yeah. My pick for Mono Black was a very simple card, but I think very nice that we now have it. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think this can go in many black decks. It's in my uh, Belbet deck. This Keen yeah. Duelist uh, for one and a black. That's two mana for a creature human wizard. They're a 2-2, and uh, it has, at the beginning of your upkeep, you and target opponent each reveal the top card of your library, and you each lose life, equal to the mana value of the card revealed by the other player, and you each put the card you revealed into your hand. Uh, so this is Dark Confidant, but uh, it's for friendly the table. Bob. It's friend- Friendly Bop. Friendly Dark Confidant for the table. <laughs> it's a very simple card. It's not flashy. It's not expensive. Um, it comes out early, and it's... Uh, I mean, this is a very political card. I love this, Mike. Oh yeah, no the and hooray! An extra uh, card advantage always good. The fact that you get to, depending on your deck, like you've got it in Belbay, I great. There's a lot of high mana cost things you can put into Belbay without it being a problem. So you're getting a, I guess a life loss advantage. Uh, more times than not. Yeah, it's just, again, two mana, two, two, that nets you cards. Great. Who, like, any, it just stop there and that's good. Uh, I, no, King Duelist is an absolutely banger of a card. And good pick, good pick. For me, I really wanted to lean into the... <laughs> 
I, I like I like cards that you get to help out with other people. I and I had it narrowed down to um, between incarnation technique, uh, which is you know a five mana spell that says mill return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, but you can do it twice if you demonstrate and let somebody else copy it. I like incarnation technique a lot, but the most fun I've had this year playing magic was pulling off a hellish rebuke and holy cow um so hellish rebuke two generic one black for an instant that says until end of turn permanent your opponent's control gain when this permanent deals damage to the player who cast hellish rebuke sacrifice this permanent you lose to life so devastating there's nothing more satisfying than letting somebody go off with a ton of tokens. Tokens that you may have helped them get. Maybe. Uh, I didn't in this particular game, but uh, I, I, I wasn't in a good board state. It was oppressive, the amount of tokens and everything that they were doing. They had an aura shards. Like, everything was terrible. Um, and then they just have to decide who they're going to kill first. And I've never been more pick me, pick me. Come on, kill me. <laughs> Do it. Hit me. Great. I want you to hit me. And I'm, and I'm, I'm like, I died in this process, but I won the war as far as I'm concerned <laughs> because a pyrrhic victory. Yeah, no, I, I, I very much did the, you know, the I'm dying and extend my arm out and slowly hell's heart into I the stab distance. at thee. Yeah, my yeah. my other teammates looking at me. We started this war as enemies, but we became friends because of the tyrant. But yeah, no, from hell's heart, yeah. from hellish, hellish from heart, hellish heart, as definitely. Me. Yeah, good pick, uh, Mike. That is quite the yeah, crackback. It's a fun card. Yeah, I agree. Um, All right, talk to me about your red card here. Yeah, there were a lot of interesting options in red this year. I think um, red was my winner for the year. Yeah, like, red, as far as just yeah. weird stuff and catching up and being cool, I think red did really well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, I what did you, have to settle got? on a single card, and uh, I landed on Curse of Hospitality, which came out at Innistrad mm-hmm. Crimson Vow. Um, wow, what a curse. Uh, it's two and a red. Three <laughs> mana for Enchantment or a Curse with Enchant Player. Creatures attacking Enchanted Player have Trample. Um, even if it stopped there, I think that would still be playable, but... What gets really exciting is the second ability. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to enchanted player, that player exiles the top card of their library. Until end of turn, that creature's controller, they play that card, and they may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. Um, so that includes lands and any spell, because you can spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Um, mm-hmm. And this triggers for each creature that deals combat damage, and it triggers... For each instance of combat damage as well. Now, yeah the, uh, yeah, the opportunity to play other people's decks again, I think it's fun. Um, two, you said it. You said it right off the bat. Creatures attacking enchanted player have trample. That is such. That's really good. A good motivator. Yeah. Because how many big dumb you know three three four four five fives and you're just like well i'm not gonna attack because they'll just chump block right well now nothing is a chump blocker everything is just damage prevention until and that's it's such a nutty card do you think that this is 
Do you think that this is a three mana spell and not higher because of the idea that everybody's going to get a benefit other than that one player? 100%. Okay. Yeah. We've we've noted this in the past, and I think this has been a very consistent uh, policy that Wizards R&D has held, that symmetric effects that can benefit other players uh, tend to be a downside and are compensated most usually by a reduction in the mana cost. And I think that's why we see such a powerful, impactful curse at only three mana, Mike. Right. Because the other curses that I remember that do you know, similar things, hinder one player and encourage you to attack them, well, they give a benefit to the person attacking, but also to the person who cast the curse. So I get it a little bit for those because, hey, this is not really a symmetric effect. It's I'm going to hinder one person, encourage everybody to attack that person, and I'll get benefit when they do so. Right. Totally makes sense. Curse of Hospitality is everybody's going to get trample against this one this one player. And then when players individually do things, they individually get benefit. I kind of like that. Yeah. You know, I kind of I kind of like that because it, it, like, the opposite of what you were just saying, right? It encourages people to attack a player because it only benefits them rather than benefiting you as well. Exactly. I think that that I'm makes people don't have to do the math in their head because unlike you and I, right? A lot of players are extremely sensitive to uh, giving a benefit to an opponent and not in a bad way. I mean, sensitive as in if something could in theory benefit an opponent, they'll mm-hmm. notice that right away and they'll be much more reticent to to want to take that action. So when you have something like Curse of Hospitality, which is basically only upside for uh, the player who's swinging in, directly at least, that they're not running that math right. They're a lot more likely to indulge and say, you know what, I'll take some free cards. I'll take a right. free land and I'm not really going to worry about it because Mike isn't going to get a treasure token or untap all of his non-land permanents or anything like that. Right. But there is a benefit to to the caster, right? That combat, all of that, uh, all of that ire, all of that enmity is going toward someone else so that you yeah. can build up your board and not have to worry about being swung into as often. Yeah, I, I think a lot of these the curses as kind of a weird form of fog because mm. are you really going to attack me when there is this such a big carrot on a stick over here yeah. for you to go after instead? That's the nice thing about um, curses. You can yeah. stack those carrots up and eventually somebody will bite like, wow, I can get draw a card, make a treasure token, untap mm-hmm. my permanence, and play all the spells out of the enemy player's deck. Like, yeah, okay, I'll swing in. Right, it's it's eventually. What is it that? Uh, I think it was Jeff Bezos who said this, and and I don't like that man, but he has said something very smart, and he said the, uh, I'll paraphrase that the best way to sell a product is to stuff so much value in it that the buyer feels like an idiot if they don't buy it. Like, oh my god, that's the mm-hmm. best deal ever. I have to do it now. Yeah, that that fear of loss and what happens if I don't get right. it now. Because everyone else is going to take advantage of this deal. Or they might. Right. You, you assume they would. Anyway, Mike, that's my pick. I like it. Um, my my red picks, uh, I'll, I'll get to the one that I'm absolutely picking, but I want to shout out Surge to Victory because it is the dumbest win condition that I've ever seen that I just love. Yeah. Uh, 
four generic red red for a sorcery exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard creatures you control get plus x plus zero until end of turn where x is that card's mana value whenever a card you control deals combat damage to a player this turn copy the exiled card you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost so i just did something stupid with this i didn't go you know ham and you know exile a six or seven mana spell or anything like that i exiled a lightning bolt because nothing was funnier than me attacking with 10 creatures and making a friend who lets seven of those creatures through to where I get to cast lightning bolt seven times and do 21 damage to another player. Oh my God. Because it's silly. It is silly. This is a, it's like a mass cipher effect where you're imprinting a spell onto a creature. And when it deals combat damage, you'll cast that spell for free. Um, Yeah. yeah, This is highly impactful. Obviously, it's a six mana sorcery that doesn't give evasion and you have mm-hmm. to have another card to make it work. But if you get all those pieces lined up, obviously, Mike, this can be a huge blowout. Yep. It's it's a fun, silly card. I all love right. that. It's but that's not your pick. Playing. Yeah. It's it's a great card, et cetera. Uh, my actual card. Uh, I want to talk shared spoilers. Yes. Because, holy cow. Um, your, your enchantment is fun. I this is a really one. good pick, yeah. Uh, one generic and a red for an enchantment that says, when Share the Spoils enters the battlefield or an opponent loses the game, exile the top card of each player's library. During each player's turn, that player may play a land or cast a spell from among exiled with the with Share the Spoils, and they may spend mana as though it were any mana of any color to cast that spell. When they do, exile the top card of their library. Wow. There, this is like a plane chase card. It is. It <laughs> is like a plane chase card. It's just the idea of hey, everybody. I, I like I said, I've got a theme going this this episode. It seems where I like playing everybody's decks, but I would like you all to be able to play my deck too. Let's go, everybody. Whatever's on top, it's available to everybody. But what I really like about this is during each player's turn, that player may play a land or cast a spell from... So everything that you can do is during your turn. Yes. So the idea of instant speed, stealing stuff, not having to deal with it, not a problem at all. I I like the design around this card on it being a weird card. Like, we're going to take the game of Magic and we're going to turn it into something similar, right? But we're also going to be smart about how we phrase everything. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do... I, I like sharing the spoils a lot. Yeah, Mike, this is just a excellent card. It's very fun. It's very aggressively costed, and it really warps the game. You're right, in the same way that a plane chase card would, in, in just such a fun and enjoyable way, right? Because not every spell in the pot is going to be a banger, but like right at the beginning... There's going to be some really juicy stuff in there. And then yeah. every time somebody uses one, casts a spell or plays a land from the stack, uh, from the pile, mm-hmm. excuse me, uh, then a fresh card comes in and, oh, people might get excited again. Well, what's right. that new card? It's like, who's going to play that one? Who's going to yeah. who's going to cast that? This is just such a delightful card. And, and I really i am glad that this one was printed. Now, help me out with the last thing here. Okay. It says during each player's turn, that player may play a land or cast a spell from among the cards exiled with share the spoils, yes. etc. So do you get to do that once? Or do you get to do that as many times as cards are on the table? Um, I believe that that is only once. 
Yeah, that's the one other part one of what I like one land or yeah. one spell each of each player's turn. Yeah. Okay, so that's the other part of this that I, I was pretty sure on, but I also yeah. like because the idea of man, it really is fun when you, you oh well, I'm going to take this person's land, ha yeah. ha, and then they flip a soul ring, and you're like, well, all right, yeah, <laughs> like I, right. I love that 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 theme. Uh, that can go with stuff. And that's why most times I will, like, I've played this in a couple of decks. What I like to do is I usually target the player who's next in order and I will just ask them outright, hey, do you want that card or not? Because if they don't want it and it's something that benefits me, great, I'll use theirs. They'll be all happy. Hooray. No big deal. And then I've kind of made a friend just by not stealing their stuff. But everybody else might try and steal their stuff. Ha ha. Political move. Woohoo. Um, but yeah, sharing the spoils is fun. I like it. Absolutely. Alex, you took my favorite card in this set, and, and I'm, I'm going to be happy to, to, to hand it your way um, because it's it's dumb. And oh, talk to me about your green card, buddy. Yeah. So I think this might be perhaps one of the strongest creatures that was printed this year. Um, it's it's remarkably powerful, Mike, and that is Druid of Purification. Yep. It's three and a green for a creature human druid. It's two, three, and it has the triggered ability. When druid of purification enters the battlefield, starting with you, each player may choose an artifact or enchantment you don't control. Destroy each permanent chosen this way. Um, Mike, there are so many things to love about this card. Number one, it's a trigger, so we can get this multiple times from reanimation, from blinking, mm-hmm. from copying triggers, all that good stuff. That's just the tip of the iceberg, right? We're destroying a bunch of other things on the field. It can't be ours. So we're going to be hitting all the best stuff. Whatever anyone else wants off the field, that's what they'll get. People can crack back at each other. Oh, you blew up my soul ring. Well, I'll blow up your thing. Um, Mike, this card is so much destructive value for only four mana on a yep. body. I, I mean, what do you even say about this card? This replaced... A powerful card in my Vanifar deck, which is uh, just a collection of some of the best group hug and political good stuff out of all Simic creatures. And this just knocks it right out of the park. Mike, I love Druid of Purification. No, it's it's a great card. Uh, This was, this was, I don't think it was my favorite card printed this year, the more I'm thinking about it, but it was among my favorites. Yeah. Um, And the only reason that it's not my favorite is because mystic reflection is so good that's fair because i went i went mystic reflection i can make more druids of purification yes let's go <laughs> is it your favorite creature that was printed this year i i think Maybe. so your favorite non-legendary creature so. yeah okay. non-legendary there you go. almost almost certainly. there you go all right yeah no it's it's uh what what's what's the what's the what's the white spell that does this uh this sounds a lot like console's judgment yes which is a legacy staple that's one white white for a sorcery that says uh, starting with you, each player will uh, vote on a non-land permanent you mm-hmm. don't control. And then each non-land permanent that uh, received the most votes this way will be exiled. And in legacy, that's very powerful because of cards like True Name Nemesis that give you protection uh, or give another player protection from you, which would make it very, very mm-hmm. difficult to remove any of their things because most bot removal targets, but uh, but that doesn't. And likewise, Mike Druid of Purification also does not target, so it will get around Hexproof. 
um, yep. and it will destroy each permanent chosen this way. Um, it it won't it will not get around protection, but it will get around hexproof and shroud. I think when we revealed this card originally, I called it Druid of the of the Council. Yeah, that's because it's an easy that's comparison. What it does. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a great. Comparison. I really like I this card. It's a very good creature. Now, uh, tell me about your creature in green that you picked. So I, I picked Druid of Purification, but because you picked, you can't, and, and I want to talk more cards. Yeah. Um, I I just I want to talk about the little guy. I want to talk about Toski, Barrier of Secrets, three generic and a green. For a legendary creature, Squirrel, 1-1, one, one. this spell can't be countered. Indestructible. Toski Barrier of Secrets attacks each combat if able. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So here's the thing. There is a way that you build this where you go as wide as possible, you get as many creatures as possible, etc., etc. Totally fine, totally dandy. Have fun. I love the idea... Of this squirrel that has this like artificial hook arm and saying, you know what? I'm going to Voltron the heck out of this thing because I want to give this squirrel swords. I want to give it armor. I want to give it a bunch of stuff. I like the idea of just squirrels being a thing. This was the precursor for Chatterfang and all the other squirrels that happened this year as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I just like Toski. I... It's, it is a good card, but for me, it's much more of the fun that you could go outside of the actual like, oh, this is a really effective card, and this turns on synergy. I just like the card. It's just a great card art, cool effect. I like that it's a squirrel that's indestructible and can't be countered by itself. I love that if you put dark steel mutation on this, it goes from a one one to an o one. Like he. <laughs> I, I, I just like Toski in general, and it's going to be the pilot of a deck for me someday. I just have to decide what exactly is gonna what's what it's gonna be about because I don't need another Voltron deck. That's true. Yeah, Mike, this card is just stacked. Um, yep, reminds me of Questing Beast, which yeah. just um, the abilities just keep coming. Right, it would be enough it couldn't be countered and was indestructible, but now it also uh, attacks each combat a fable. And it can't be destroyed, mm-hmm. so obviously you'll always be forcing people to make decisions. And then always it has swing. it has that Edric effect, and this probably slots great into Edric. Uh, oh, yeah. When a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. That's uh, that's a really powerful ability for green. And yeah, I mean this is a fun commander. Um, I uh, hopefully you can come up with something interesting to do with it. Yeah, because again, it it seems like a lot of like good good green stuff you know it just oh this is just a good card yeah i just i love i love toski i, I very much want an assault suit a toski because assault suit's good maybe that's what it is my favorite green creature this year or my favorite green card this year was assault suit um but yeah i think that came love, out a while ago yeah, yeah. Well, you know and also not green but regardless um no i like toski i just think uh, again every it's one of those every once in a while a card just makes me happy and it has very little to do with the actual text on the card and very much to do with the context and creation. This is the first card I think I've ever chosen because I like the art. And I just, I like this card a lot. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move on here to colorless um, because I'm pretty happy that you picked the card that you did because I thought you were going to pick it and that's why I didn't pick it. And 
Yes, 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 yes. Talk to me about your color. Let's okay, go. yeah. Uh, Mike, I picked Wandering Archaic uh, slash Explore the Vast Lands, which is a modal double-faced card from uh, Strixhaven, School of Mages. And yeah, we got a creature on the front, sorcery on the back. Let's talk about what they are. Wandering Archaic is five generic mana uh, for a creature avatar, 4-4. Four, four. With the triggered ability, whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay two mana. If they don't, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. I think that's why most people really enjoyed this card. And and this is just a phenomenal ability. It makes oh, yeah. people seriously consider what they're casting, right? It's going to chill the board. It warps the game around it. That's the kind of card I'd like to see. And, uh, I mean, it's it's also... A tax effect that uh, a lot of people may just uh, really not feel like paying. I mean, especially if you've ingratiated yourself with your deck and you've uh, shown people that you're playing uh, a very nice group hug deck that's not going to bowl over everyone with, uh, right. with explosive combos and things like that. Um, they may just not even bother to pay it. And, and if they do pay it right now, you have the Rhystic Study problem of you're taxing them for two on every incident mm-hmm. sorcery that cast. So yeah, Wandering Archaic, just a delightful, delightful creature. But that's not all. There's more. Because on the back, as a, as an alternate option, you can cast either face. On the back face, we have explored the vast lands for three mana. It's a sorcery. Each player looks at the top five cards of their library and may reveal a land card and or an instant or sorcery card from among them. Right? So you can choose either land or or instant or sorcery, or a land and either an instant or sorcery. That's kind of difficult to, yeah. to parse. Each player puts the cards they revealed this way into their hand and the rest on the bottom of their library in a random order. Each player gains three life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is this is just fun, right? You're letting everyone yeah, dig. Yeah, it's stuff in everybody's hands. Yeah, yeah. it's stuff in everyone's hands. It's... Uh, I like that it almost has a good cop, bad cop kind of thing going on, right? You can play the very nice, very kind Explore the Vast Land side and go ahead and grab a land, grab an instant sorcery. Everyone has a good time. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's nearer to the end of the game and you want to start cracking the whip and you play the Wandering Archaic side instead. <laughs> um, this is a very versatile card, very powerful. It's in colorless, so it can be slotted into any deck. Um, and I like the art from uh, Wayne Reynolds. What do you think, Mike? No, it, it's it's a beautiful looking card. And man, when you're talking about two sides of a coin here, is, is there a, <laughs> there's such a drastic change between three mana, everybody look at the top five and grab yourself a card or two and then gain some life. Yeah. And hey, whenever you cast a spell, you need to pay two, you need to pay this tax on it. Otherwise, I'm going to. It's very it. on theme for my Emrakul deck. It's, it's a very cool deck. Yeah, it's it's a very cool deck, and this is a very cool card to go into an all like windmill slam immediately for sure. Um, it is it is one of those cards that I almost think that people have to know the deck and trust the deck before you can play this because yeah. it is such a scary effect of well, I don't want you to copy my spells. It's like no, I understand, but I'm going to. I'm going to. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to kill your thing. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to copy that spell. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'll just choose new targets for it and blow up your commander. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Mike, this this card is is so flashy. I think a lot of people just saw the front face. They ignored the mm-hmm. back face. And you know what? That's fine for some people, but I love that this has two different faces. You have your your good cop, your bad cop. I think it's a great card. Yeah. You're when when you were talking about this card and specifically, you know, people ignore the back face of this card. I didn't ignore it, but I'll admit I totally forgot what the back of the card actually did. Yeah. So good call by you. Way to point it out. And this is a very good card. Good call. Um, mine is again another silly card. Uh, I picked Strixhaven Stadium. Hmm. This is three generic for an artifact that says tap, add a colorless, put a point counter on Strixhaven Stadium. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, remove a point counter from Strixhaven Stadium. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent, put a point counter on Strixhaven Stadium. Then if it has 10 or more point counters on it, remove them all and that player loses the game. Spicy. I love this card because... There is nothing more fun to me than the political value of, hey, I need to hit you with five creatures to take out the arch enemy. Oh, yeah. I I love that. And, you know, I understand. Three three mana for a mana rock that nets you one. I, this is this not, is high upside. That is not why you're playing yeah, this. Yeah, not thing. A, I mean, it's, it's a mana rock incidentally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just love that, it, again, it... I, maybe I just like the wizard sports from Strixhaven, but the idea of, oh, I'm going to play this artifact, not even a legendary artifact, by the way. Yeah, no kidding, dude. Which, which seems kind of silly. Yeah. Um, man, I should make copies of this. That's nuts. Oh, my God. Uh, but, like, the idea of, okay, well, I'm going to just make sure that I've got a bunch of tokens or a bunch of ways to get through and just get some counters on this thing, hopefully prevent some damage my way. And then you're a threat with this dumb little three mana tap rock, mm-hmm. but it's out of nowhere because, oh, I've got a bunch of one ones. Well, now I'm going to tap all of your creatures and my one ones are now, if I hit you with enough of these, it's basically infect because you're going to lose the game. And man, I love this card. I've, I've Every interaction that I've had with it, every time that somebody reads the card the first time. They're like, oh, okay, I don't really get it, but fine. And then they read the card later. After they I lose. I love that. Well, after they lose yeah. or after I, I say, hey, I need to hit you with one of these things and I have to hit them. And then they will lose the game. And they go, wait, what? I, I love that. I love that effect on a card. I love that effect on a colorless card so it can go into a bunch of decks. Yeah. Uh, Strixhaven Stadium made me really happy this year. Yeah, Mike, this card is... Uh... It's a win con, and it's a win con that people really don't want to have to remove, right? Because yeah. it's a mana rock, it's a three mana artifact, it mm-hmm. seldom looks like a threat until it's about to blow someone right out of the water and they lose the game. It's it's a tricky one, and uh, and I think this could be slotted into, into a lot of token decks. Have you slotted this one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. This is this is one of those cards that I I, I got enough of. Yeah. Uh, you know, early that there are more decks that I need to take it out of because it doesn't make sense. It's just fun. Then, yeah. Yeah. No, right there's, on. There's, I've got a couple of low to the ground decks. I've got a couple of token decks. I've got a couple of things that this really sits in. But then there's a couple of cards I'm like, I'm never gonna get this above four counters. I don't know why it's in here, but yeah, I still enjoy it. 
No, that's a good pick. Uh, I, I do think that's a very interesting card. So we have a lot more cards. They're mm-hmm. gold. We got a lot of mm-hmm. multicolor cards and lands. Why don't we take a short break, come back and uh, and do our... Uh, most of them are commanders, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll take a look at those, uh, at, at all of them, but one or two, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll do our favorite gold cards slash commanders. Um, but either way, uh, good call by you. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. And holy cow, we've got some cool commanders to talk about. we got some cool gold color some of them not, but most of them. But the point, there's a lot of cool cards this year. I, I'm much happier now that we're through it, you know? But let's talk about a couple more of these cards. Uh, Alex, most of these are yours because I'm really bad at giving written prompts. Um, so <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you go through a couple of these cards for me? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I picked a lot of different commanders here. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and we can go through most of them. I think that we don't have have too many different ones, and they're they're all from different color pairs or different color trios. Yep. Um, the first one I'd like to to talk about here is uh, Lind, Cheerful Tormentor, mm-hmm. who's uh, from Midnight Hunt Commander decks, and uh, she's one in and uh, blue, black, red. She's Grixis for a legendary creature, human warlock. She's a two four with death touch. And she has, whenever a curse is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return it to the battlefield attached to you at the beginning of the next end step. And she also has, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may attach a curse attached to you to one of your opponents if you do draw two cards. Uh, Mike, this is the curse commander that we've been waiting for for so, so long. <laughs> and it's uh, it's a strong enabler. I think the, the only yeah. complaint I ended up having with this one was... I wish there were white because there are so many powerful curses yeah. in white. Uh, however, I think that Watsi is pretty reticent to do uh, four color cards, which is okay. Yeah, no, that's understandable. And man, Lind is fun. Like every every time I read this card, I get really excited. Yeah. And then I go, all right, that sounds fun. Yeah. I want to play that. And then I start to build the deck yeah. and I go, holy cow, I have to get so many cards to do this. Well, the problem. But it's such a cool card. The problem isn't really that you have to get so many cards, right? Although that may be a personal problem. the The issue is mm-hmm. that, as it currently stands, there aren't a enormous number of blue, black, red curse cards to draw from for the deck, right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an issue that's so dire that you won't be able to build a deck because obviously people can and have. The issue is more that the selection is so limited that one deck will be very, very similar to another deck. It's almost like a solved deck, which tends to make deck building pretty uninteresting. However, uh, as time goes on, as the years go on, I'm sure we're going to see more curse cards here and there. And maybe three, five years from now, we'll see maybe we have a hundred different curse cards and now we can really build a Lin deck. Sure. No, and that's a possibility. And you know, maybe maybe it's that. And I, man, we have to do a like a how does it win episode? Yeah. Because I have always had this concern with making a curse deck because the curses are really cool. But I don't know what else to put in them to make me win the game so much as just make other people have a harder time losing. So that's the an game. excellent question, Mike. I think that's uh, we've talked about this before. 
But I have this problem, and, and you probably also have this problem, that when we're building decks, we like to focus on what cool things the deck is going to do mm-hmm. long before we concern ourselves with win cons. And that can kind of get me into a corner, right, where I'm trying to figure out, like, oh, my gosh, how's my deck going to win? The best way that I find to figure out how your deck is going to win is look at what your deck is doing and then look at other archetypes that that closely approximates. For example, yeah. with Lynn Cheerful Tormentor, we're doing a lot of curses. Now, curses are unique, right? There's no other deck archetype other than curses that has curses. However, <laughs> curses are all enchantments. And yeah. there is a very popular archetype, Enchantress, or mm-hmm. uh, I guess Unnatural is uh, is what... EDHREC calls enchanted plus artifact decks, but mostly enchantress decks. You can use the win cons of enchantress decks to win with Lind, even though your goal is not to play a bunch of enchantments per se, but to play a bunch yeah. of curses. Which is fine. And that, that makes sense. And that goes back to what you said before. I wish this had white or green in it. I do. Because normally in those enchantress decks. It's true. But there are the there are blue green, right, enchantress right. decks, and they do have blue oh, win sure. cons. Yeah. No, good call by you. Um, why don't you give me another couple? I here? will. Um, I was delighted to have the desire to, and, and I did purchase uh, a commander deck from <laughs> yep. f- off the shelf uh, from for the first time since I began playing commander. Because uh, typically, what I'll find is that. I'm not interested in enough cards in the deck to justify buying the whole thing, which is usually uh, upwards of $40. And I can buy, you know, the three, four, five singles I need for under $5. Mm-hmm. That's just how I personally tend to tend to engage with commander decks. However, this year we had Strixhaven commander decks. And one of those decks, you know, the one I'm going to say was Silver Quill deck, black and white. And boy, was this deck stuffed to bursting with the kind of cards that we love. We had an entire episode about it. And in that oh, yeah. episode, we talked about the face commander, Shadrix Silverquill, three white black for a legendary creature, Elder Dragon, two five with flying and double strike. And the triggered ability at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may choose two. Each mode must target a different player. So you can either choose zero or two, and each of the two must target uh, a different person, and that includes you. First option, target player creates a 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying. Great token. Second option, target player draws a card and loses one life. Always good. Third option, target player puts a plus one plus one counter on each creature they control. Mike, this is a... What would you say? A political toolbox commander. This is so versatile. You can do so many cool things with this. You can give the thing you want most to yourself. You can strike a deal. People will be fighting over themselves for stuff like this, right? There are people Mm -hmm. who just want that one creature so they can sacrifice and start to do their thing. There are people that want to improve their board and get a bunch of 1-1 counters on their go-wide deck. Everybody wants to draw cards. Of course, everyone wants to draw cards. And... (laughs) Goodness gracious, Mike, you, of course, would construct your deck such that you would always be able to benefit from these modes. And I am so, so pleased. I haven't personally made this deck because I'm very, very picky and I want to make very unique decks. But Mm -hmm. this is one of the coolest political commanders I've seen in quite a while, Mike. 
No, it's 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 an extremely fun card, and that was a, I mean that that was our that was our commander set of the year. I mean, as far as for I'm sure, concerned, like, Strix, Strixhaven commander. commander set of the year, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it was it, it silver quill. The go silver itself. quill. So so a lot of the cards I, we I picked so far have been from silver quill. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and look look at my shocked face. Um, <laughs> it's it's a very very cool card. It's a very cool commander. Um, what else do you want to hit here? Sure. As far as well, the Mike, there there was another card in that deck in that commander mm-hmm. precon that's uh, I mean there are a lot of them right, but this one you actually pointed sure. out to me. Tell me about uh, Ink Shield. Yeah. So Ink Shield, um, three generic white black, so five mana instant. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to you this turn for each one damage prevented this way. Create a two one white and black inkling creature token with flying. So. Five mana fog mm-hmm. is a lot. Yeah. I totally get it. But it is a five mana fog win the game, as far as I'm concerned. Because if something is attacking you with enough stuff to kill you or really hurt you, and you turn each one of those damage, not each creature, mm-hmm. each damage, into a 2-1 with evasion, that's nuts. I you're You're doubling up on power for whatever was going to hit you. I understand the the big argument on this is always going to be five mana to hold up in Orzov or Silver Quill in this state. Uh, this case is a lot, but five mana to win the game doesn't feel like a lot, and that's what I translate this to. I understand that there are some downsides. I you know, do you really want to do this if you're getting hit by a five five? Probably not. But five mana. To make 10 two ones is still pretty good. Or to make five two ones is still pretty good. The, the worst case scenario on Ink Shield is that you don't ever need to cast it. Okay. I can deal with that. Yeah. I, I like Ink Shield a lot. And, and you know, it, this, is what, this is what I think Arachnogenesis gets confused with a lot of the time. You're right. And I, I'd prefer this. Yeah, arachnogenesis is a very similar fog effect that uh, will prevent damage being dealt by non-spiders and then make that many spiders. But the number of spiders being made is based on the number of creatures that were attacking you, not how much damage was being dealt. So arachnogenesis tends to be overvalued, in in my opinion, and in Mike's, I think, as well. But Ink Shield... There's another avenue that I'm sure you've uh, thought about or even used, but you didn't mention it right there. And that's that you can use this to strike a deal, right? Because you can have somebody with a strong board, but they're not the arch enemy. Maybe they have Mm -hmm. 10 power on board, something like that. You can say, hey, listen, I need you to swing into me with that 10-10. I won't kill it. I won't steal it. I'm not going to do anything to it. I just need it to make value and you can strike some kind of deal, right? Yeah. And they swing in with their 10-10. That gives you 20 flying power. Mm-hmm. That's an avenue that you can take, Mike. There's been several times where I've had this and my conversation and the couple of times that the deal has been accepted have been great. Yeah. Uh, somebody's got a wide board state. Yeah. And somebody is saying, okay, we need to deal with that. I need to blow up the board and I need to do a board wipe. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. You have a wide board. Why don't you hit me 
I'll create a whole bunch of flyers. On my turn, I'll hit them, kill them before they can wipe the board, and then you can just come back at me because if you want to, I'm going to save your board and I'm going to be tapped out to hit him. Mm-hmm. And they said yes. It's like, okay, great. Do that. And then I was able to protect myself. You know, so there's there's a couple of things that you can do where, yeah, you can make deals with this. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's almost like the rattlesnake that, that people don't get to see because you just get to sit there and encourage people. Yeah, go ahead. Swing out. Yes, yeah, it's, it's always very unnerving <laughs> when uh, this is a powerful political play that I think other people tend to like to use a lot more, but we don't tend to use very often. Um, and that is that is calling the bluff, right? If somebody tries yeah. to make a deal with you that you find disfavorable or insulting or they're threatening your board state, not threatening you in real life, but they're like, listen, I'm going to blow your whole board up unless you do this. Uh, it's It's a very – it's a power move to say, oh, yeah, do it. See what Absolutely. happens. And, and and frankly, it's good to call people on that so so they don't have that kind of bargaining power all right. the time. You, you know, it's right. it's good to hey, follow through. You know, whether good or bad, whatever it is, follow through on what you say you're gonna do. Um, because frankly, that's the only way you're gonna be able to get any kind of political favor in the game anyway. Right. Um Alex, are there any other cards that you want to talk about? Maybe one in particular that is near and dear to our hearts here? Mike, I know exactly the perfect card. We actually used this commander card uh, when we were doing a live commander uh, deck tech or deck building for one of our listeners. And I, uh, we, we built the deck on the air and, and we sent it to them, right? We sent them that deck. We need to send them that deck. Okay, we'll send them that deck. I need to send yeah, them that Mike deck. needs to yeah. send them that deck. That card is, of I'm course, Pure the Volatile. <laughs> you know that if you listen to our podcast. For two, double red, double white, double black. That is seven, uh, eight mana. Excuse me. That's a lot of mana. Lot of uh, that's eight mana for a legendary creature, Elder Dragon, seven, seven, with flying and lifelink. And at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Pure the Volatile unless you pay red, white, black. When Piru dies, it deals 7 damage to each non-legendary creature. And of course, since Piru has lifelink, you will also gain uh, 7 times that much life, right? Yep. that's, that's We, we made a whole deck out. based off of this. If you want to see how the Social Contract guys made a Social Piru deck, which appears to be Board Wipe Tribal, uh, by all means, <laughs> go listen to our episode. Mike will put a link in the show notes. Mike, yep. do you have anything to say about Piru? Uh, not that I haven't said before. It's a good card. Yeah. I'm glad we were able to make it uh, into a social contract kind of format card. It's Peter is fun. Okay. I have two more that I'll do here. Uh, first is Karazakar the Eye Tyrant, which okay. is a three black red, five mana for a legendary creature beholder. This one's from Forgotten Realms Commander, of course. It's a 5-5. Five, five. Whenever you attack a player, tap target creature that player controls and goad it. Uh, goading is, of course, until your next turn. That creature attacks each combat if able and attacks a player other than you if able. Yep. Uh, Karazakar has the second ability. Whenever an opponent attacks another one of your opponents, you and the attacking player each draw a card and lose one life. Uh, Mike, I said earlier this year, maybe it was last year, hard to tell, <laughs> that Rakdos, which is red and black, tends to have a lot of interesting commanders in silver border which is very disappointing because until uh an upcoming set on finity silver border cards 
have never really been legal in Commander unless you've rolled zero with your group. Um, mm-hmm. Karazakar is one of the first Rakdos commanders in a long time, maybe since uh, uh, what what's what's her name? Uh, Zantra Sleeper Agent, I think, was the last yeah. really interesting political one. Rakdos is such a political color pair, but we don't see the commanders. And this is extremely political, right? You're getting the goat in, and that goad will trigger the second ability where you're drawing a card and losing a life. But just like with Curse of Hospitality, you are encouraging your opponents to attack your other opponents so that they get value. And I love that. Yeah, no, this is a very good card. Um, Karazakar is, a, first of all, Beholders existing in yes. Magic the Gathering yes. makes me very happy. Yeah. Um but yeah, the idea of the forced combat, combat matters kind of stuff, I'm a big fan of it. And seeing that, you know, with Karazakar and a couple other cards that came up this year, especially in Rakdos, and encouraging that goad effect, encouraging, you know, just combat in Commander, very happy about it. And Karazakar is, is, is among my top commanders this year uh, as far as fun, but this is also one of those cards that, hey, this is still decent in the 99. You know, this sure. is a cool effect if need be. And that's one of the things that matters to me when you're talking about creatures. If it's your commander, cool. If it's not your commander, is it still worth it? And Karazakar is, is absolutely worth it in the right deck. So For sure. By you. Um, so here's my last commander that I'll pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one isn't really a social card, but this is very applicable to my other project, uh, and that is Cody Vociferous Codex, which is a three mana legendary artifact creature construct. It's a one four with the static ability. You can't cast permanent spells. It's a pretty big downside. Um, Cody has the activated ability pay four and tap, and you will add Wooberg, white, blue, black, red, green. That's five mana, one of each color. When you cast your next spell this turn, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile an instant or sorcery card with lesser mana value, kind of like Cascade. Until end of turn, Mm -hmm. you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Put each other card exiled this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. Now, the effect is... Not necessarily what I'm looking at, right? Cody is a walking, talking, living spellbook. And of course, my other project, the Commander Spellbook, uh, is a search engine for Commander combos. If that's something that you've never heard of before and interests you, you can go to commanderspellbook.com and check that out. Um, Mike, that's my last Commander, but I do have two uh, lands that came out this year that I'd like to talk about, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And one of those lands was one that I was extremely excited about. For sure. About, so. Do you want to talk about that one and I'll talk about the other yeah. one? No, let's I, I want to talk about Axe Guard Armor. Please. Just because it's it's one of those cards that if you look at the overall value, okay. You know, I get it. But it's really helpful in the colors that it is. Um, it's an so excellent card. Axe Guard Armory enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap it to add white. Uh, you can also pay one red, red, white and tap it and sacrifice it. To search your library for an aura uh, aura card and or an equipment card, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. This is a pay five, you know, in sacrificing a land to do so. Get two specific cards in your deck and into your hand in Boros. Boros loves auras. Boros loves equipment. Auras can be curses. Like there's a bunch of different things that this can go get. And 
there's not a whole lot of I, I don't see a lot of downside to it yeah it's it's gonna cost a lot one turn but it's instant speed remove this do the thing cool I really like Axe Guard Armory because there's a lot of powerful equipments that your equipment decks rely on. There's a lot of important enchantment auras that your enchantress decks apply on. I, I love Axe Guard Armory. I'm really glad that you put this on here because I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, for sure, Mike. Axe Guard Armory is one of those cards that I just had to slot right away, right? Because mm-hmm. you know me. I love utility lands. And I don't mind if a land has significant downside, for example, as this one has two downsides. The first one being that it's not fetchable, it has no land types. And the second one being that it ETBs tapped. However, that huge upside of pay five equivalent, that's four tap and sacrifice, and get Mm -hmm. two cards. Two cards tutored on a land. Yep. One or two. Yeah, you don't have to get two. You can get one or two. But... The power on X-Card Armory and in Boros, no less. Um, Mike, this card is at a power level and doing the kind of things that remind me of Sunforger, which is widely oh, regarded yeah. as the best Boros card in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. It, I understand that it doesn't go into every deck with those colors. Right. But in the decks that it goes into, it goes in there and it's... It's a windmill slam. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, why don't you talk to me about our other tap Sure. Land? This will be the last card that, uh, that I talk about today. And uh, this was another one that I just had to slot right away because, again, I love utility lands. Lijara Mirror Lake. That's a land. Lijara Mirror Lake mm-hmm. enters the battlefield tapped and has tap at blue. Just like Axe Guard Armory, Lijara Mirror Lake has an activated ability. Pay two green, green, blue, tap and sacrifice. That's a five mana or six equivalent with uh, the land you're tapping. Create a token that is a copy of target creature you control, except it enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. Activate only as a sorcery. Now, this is not necessarily a social card, although this is a windmill slam in my Vanifar deck where it makes copies mm-hmm. of many delightful group hug creatures, which I can then sacrifice to go find more group hug creatures. And I think <laughs> that a lot of Simic decks, especially creature-focused ones, it doesn't even have to be a coffee-based Simic deck. This is no. just so powerful. And in Simic, you're not really hurting for a six-mana equivalent, Mike. That's that's peanuts for Simic. This is another one of those cards that I'm very aware of and just did the realization of, oh, I should probably put this in my Damia Lands deck. Yeah, I would say so. You know, yeah. and I, I haven't, but I should. It's dirt cheap, too. This is an uncommon land cycle. Both of yeah. the cards, Asgard Armory and Lichar and Mirror Lake, are under a quarter. No, this is this is a this is a great card. I love like you said, utility lands. I love utility lands where the downside is you know, oh, it enters tapped. Okay, well, there's a bunch of lands I play that enter tapped. Right. Because I'm not playing competitive, you know? So I'm not so worried if I'm a little bit behind for a turn. But the upside of being able to turn something into a creature, the upside of being able to go tutor the exact cards that I need in my Boros decks. I I love that in a land. Like, lands usually, like, you've said this a thousand times before, with lands, you are going to pay a premium to do things that you would be able to pay a lot yeah, less. Yeah, you'll pay a big premium. On another specific card. Yeah. But it's a land. Yes. So, I mean, we love modal, fa- uh, modal double face land cards because those are lands and spells. Yes, I do like those. These fit a similar theme to me where these are lands 
and they don't they're not spells but they have a spell effect if i need to so i'm totally down with that i love these being a part of our list um alex we're starting to wrap up here we do we have a couple more points of our favorites of the year and mike asked me to pull up my favorite set of the year Mm -hmm. my favorite mechanic this year and Mm -hmm. uh what i would like to see next year if i could design a card for next year so i'll go ahead and say mine and then mike you can say yours and and we'll compare what we got um my favorite set was strixhaven i said it already strixhaven commander silver quill deck is one of the coolest ideas for a deck that we have ever had it's i think only the third political commander precon um after Mm -hmm. kaneos and tiro in i think it was stalwart friendship and then way back in the original commander set we had uh, Zedru in uh, Political Pawns, I believe it was called, Political Power. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really haven't had that many social contract style precons. It was just a delight to see such an absurdly political deck. I'm super glad, and I supported uh, my LGS by buying this precon. I'm very happy with that. I loved some of Strixhaven. What was your favorite set this year, Mike? So here's the thing. My heart says Forgotten Realms, but that's just me being really into D&D. Yeah. If I go with my head, Strixhaven was my favorite set. Nice. The The amount of different stuff that it did, uh, we'll get into, you know, favorite mechanics. We'll get into, you know, the fact that of the cards we talked about, there were a good amount of them that came from Strixhaven. Yeah. And I, I just liked that idea. I know there was a complaint. The, the, oh, lore-wise, and eh, it's kind of isolated. It's like, you know what? This was cool. Yeah. This was a cool, you know, hey, remember the Eldrazi? That was scary. Hey, Phyrexian? That's scary. Oh my gosh, Nicobolus? That's scary too. You know what? We're going to go to wizard school. And I like the just kind of fun theme of doing that and having a lot of cool cards that interacted in weird ways. Uh, Strixhaven was my favorite set. You know, it's funny. When we hear the pitch for a set, it often sounds a lot worse than it is, right? I remember we heard the pitch for Battle Bond, and the pitch was, oh, uh, it's an eSports set. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a train wreck. Well, then Battle Bond came out, and I two-headed giant drafted it during pre-release weekend. I had the time of my life. Battle Bond's one of my favorite sets of all time. Likewise with, uh, with Strixhaven. We heard about it. I think a lot of people thought this. Oh, my God, this is going to be a Harry Potter set. Like, what are they going to do to make this not Harry Potter? And, Mike, I think mm-hmm. they mostly they mostly succeeded. They made an interesting yeah. uh, they made an interesting set that has the exact kind of cards that we love. And other than uh, maybe some wizard sports Quidditch kind of homages, I think that they mostly steered clear of, of Harry Potter, which is good. And the other part of this, Alex, is I can name several of the color combinations that they did with Strixhaven. You know, there, there's Lorehold, That's there's Fondrix, there's Silverquill. I can name some of those cards. Do you know that they did different color combinations for Kaldheim? Yeah, they did do color like, combinations for Kaldheim. It's it's yeah, interesting that I, you're right, the identity is much stronger. And I don't remember any of them. I couldn't right. tell you one. If you gave me a multiple choice, I couldn't tell you one of them. Yeah. But like... I don't know, Strixhaven just kind of stuck with me, and maybe it's because of the commander set that came with it. Maybe, I don't know. But the overall set, I really enjoyed it, and I think they did a great job. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, we remember the the color pairs, but I think that for the most part, except for perhaps Boros, but even Boros, really, um, that 
they pretty much played largely into what the colors do already, right? Like white black mm-hmm. isn't normally political, um, but Orzov definitely plays those kind of political effects and they can definitely be yeah. in there. And Simic isn't normally necessarily about making copies, but let's let's just say that if you made a copy deck, it would probably mm-hmm. have Simic in it. So it's not like they're really right. breaking new ground and, and creating uh creating these wild new color combinations. It was more of a light rebrand. Yeah. They leaned into things that do fit right. without saying this is all it does. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. Uh what was your favorite mechanic? My favorite mechanic this set, ended up being uh Fertel. Yeah. I've really I think I was a little harsh on Fortell in the episode. I haven't gone back and listened to it, but I don't think I gave it its fair due. And it's it's more than just suspend but face down, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we're told card, like I said earlier this episode when we were talking about uh, Mystic Reflection, which I think was Mike's favorite card of the year, that yep. the fact that you can rattlesnake it, reveal it from your hand, and then foretell it, or you can just leave it there and let everyone stew over it or even forget about it. Um, the fact that instant speed foretold cards can be cast on another player's turn for a ridiculously cheap cost. And uh, we even had a, a board wipe foretell that we didn't talk about. Uh, was it a skull? Something? It, was, it was a white board wipe. Um, yep. Foretell is, is a very nice and, and versatile mechanic. I... Don't think I've been running too many of them, but I, I've come to appreciate the elegance of the creation. I, I think I initially wrote it off as um, as kind of too similar to Suspend. Mike, what do you think? Uh, so here's the thing. I loved Fortel. Uh, I know you did. Fortel yeah, right away. Out. You did. Yeah. Just because I'm like, I, I just wanted to confirm, this can be a rattlesnake where I can show it to everybody, yes. or it can be a that's Yu-Gi-Oh! That's the crux card. of it, yeah. Super fun. And I liked it. I think Doom Scar. That's it. Doom Scar. That, that yeah, powerful board wipe. Um, but uh, believe it or not, that wasn't the mechanic that I picked, and I think I might be cheating here because I don't really know if it counts as a mechanic or not. I want to go back to Strixhaven. I want to talk about Demonstrate. Yeah, because that's yeah. That was it's so, it, like it's that's so great. on. Theme Why don't you for tell us? everyone it's, what Demonstrate is? Yeah, so Demonstrate is an ability. It's on a cycle. Like I don't think there's a ton. There's of only five that of have them. this. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just a cycle. But when you cast this spell, you may copy it. If you do, choose an opponent to also copy it. So I can pay this for, you know, the one that I've got pulled up here is Incarnation Technique. Yeah. So five mana, mill five cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. But you can demonstrate it. So you can do this, and then you can pick somebody else to do it. And if they, and if you do, you get to do it twice. I love the ability of I'm going to bring somebody else this value to give myself more value. It leans into, you know, our group hug type of aspect where, hey, whether it's because they're far behind or if you're really mean about it because they're not going to get the effect out of it that you will. That's great. Yeah. Demonstrate was, you're right. It it is a mechanic. It only shows up on a couple of cards, but it's, it's just great. And it really is priced in in this interesting way, right? It's priced mm-hmm. as pretty expensive, right on the edge of being almost too expensive if you don't demonstrate it. But when you do demonstrate it, the value is explosive. So just for incarnation mm-hmm. technique, 
You're paying four and a black to mill five and then reanimate a creature. That's pretty much right on the edge, right? That's yeah. at sorcery speed, paying five mana and black. That's playable. I think that that's a playable card. However, pay five mana to mill ten cards, reanimate two creatures, and another player gets to do the same, mill five cards and reanimate a creature for five mana. That amount of value is way higher. It's literally three times as much value. Yeah, it's especially if you can make a friend in doing so. Yes. I, I love Demonstrate. I really, really hope that this is something that they go back to and it's not just a standalone cycle forever. Right. But if it is, it's still a really cool mechanic. Very nice. I like it a lot. So, you know, as we wrap up here, Alex, why don't you tell me something that you would like to see in 2022, whether it's uh, a card or an idea for a set or what what are you looking for next year that would be really cool uh, there's a card that i've wanted to see printed for some time uh, but we mm-hmm. just we haven't quite gotten there yet and it's been really reassuring and exciting to see all of these new political cards i think this past year like we've had more political social cards than we've ever had in a single year before um, and it's mm-hmm. just been really exciting. What I would like to see next year, if I could make a card or if I could, you know, walk into the R&D offices and, and tell them how to do their <laughs> jobs, which is uh, they have very hard jobs and I have a very easy job, which is making a dumb suggestion. And my suggestion mm-hmm. is uh, it'd be really cool if if we could get a trading post card, trading post being a an artifact with multiple different activated abilities that each all do different things. Uh, But rather than just being for yourself, it'd be very interesting if it was more of a general store style trading post where other people at the table uh, can activate the abilities, take advantage of it, almost like they're buying and selling wares at a store that I've opened. And maybe in some way I could get paid or I could get a benefit, uh, maybe treasure tokens or mana where they give me something. Treasure tokens. Like, wouldn't that be such a cool thing to have, Mike? I do like that. I, I do. Because that's another one of those cards where everybody can get a benefit, but that also means that is it very likely that anybody is going to try and remove it from you? Yeah, it'd be pretty unlikely. Uh, what about you, Mike? Um, if you could design a, a card or a set or a mechanic, what would you do? So I wanted, I've got an idea in my head, and I don't know what colors it is, mm-hmm. but I have the, an idea for a what I consider a group hug commander. And what I want it to be is that at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, they choose a benefit and whether that benefit is the you know they draw a card or they can play a land from their hand for free or they can create a token something along those lines i want to give them a benefit yeah and they're picking it right and then i also get some kind of benefit even if it's less you know what i mean that's what i want to look into i would like a a group hug commander where everybody is going to be able to pick the benefit that suits them. Yeah. Because if it's something where I'm building everybody to their own, you know, their own deck type and their own speed, I think that would help a little bit with group hug. Because right now the biggest concerns that we get on group hug is that it either speeds up everybody too fast and that makes the game not fun or, oh, well, group hug, you know, usually it's a lot of mana, and I don't want there to be a whole lot of mana because I am playing a more methodical deck that takes a little bit more time or I'm a stacks you know, player or something along those lines. Ooh. Okay. Well, if there's something that we can do to where, hey, here are the benefits. On your turn, you get to pick one of these benefits. You want a 
one one mana dork there you go have fun that kind of stuff is something that would be of interest to me i want to get everybody something that they can get on their turn and then i also get whether it's the same benefit or a smaller benefit i'd appreciate it i'm a little worried that if it was like oh draw a card and I also get to draw a card. Well, that means there's a chance that I draw three cards and everybody draws one, which means I'm scary, which means everybody's going to beat me up. Yeah. I'm not sure the balance on it, but that's why I don't work in R&D. That's true. I, 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 work, I work here with you, talking about silly things that we'd like to see in the silly card game that we love a silly amount. Yeah, Mike. I mean, to, to close this out, mm-hmm. we've been working on this project for, uh, for more than a year at this point. We've... Yep had a lot of great personalities join us. We've started oh, yeah. to build a community of people that, that feel like we do, who enjoy the social aspect of magic and having fun at your commander table. And I'm uh, waving to the Discord as we speak. Hello, yeah, hello, everybody. hello, everyone in, in the Social Contract Discord. We'll give you a link to join that if you'd like to come talk with us um, sure. at, at the end of this. But it's uh, it's just been such a joy to be able to participate in this project so far and and let's look forward to episode 100 yeah you know what i'm down let's do it yeah. let's 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 do it tonight let's let's just record okay. 50 episodes well i, know, I don't tonight. know i think i'm gonna run out of time on that one mike i don't know about that oh okay uh, well fine all right fine okay well, fair enough well i'll tell you what uh if i need to chase you down to record another 50 episodes <laughs> or if anybody wanted to talk to you ask you questions uh judge questions anything along the lines uh, how would they find you? For sure. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Lappermedic. That's L-A-P-P-E-R-M-E-D-I-C. Uh, or you can email me privately at alex at edhrec.com. And uh, I know I shielded out for my project earlier in this episode. Um, if you didn't quite catch that, that's the Commander Spellbook Project, the EDH Combo Search Engine at commanderspellbook.com. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed listening to any of the cards that we talked about this episode or... You got to get some deck boxes, play mats, etc. Uh, you can do so and support us at the same time. You can go to bit.ly slash EDH underscore social. Uh, there you can buy all the stuff that you were going to buy already. And it helps us out a little bit in the process. That's our affiliate link with TCG players. So if you're going to buy the stuff and you need to order it in anyway, help us out. Uh, at the same time, we're also going to include our Discord link in the show notes. There you can go submit cards for our, ooh, can I see that? We just had an episode not too long ago where we crowdsourced a lot of cool cards. Uh, you can ask Honorable Judge Alex questions, things along those lines. You can also follow us on Twitter at EDH underscore social or email us at the social contract EDH at gmail.com. Thank you for getting us to episode 50. Thank you for getting us through this hectic year, both magic and otherwise. Looking forward to a lot of cool changes and a lot of cool things happening in the near future here. We hope that you take this journey with us. Talk to you soon. Thank you, everyone.